Good morning, Georgetown, and it's time for Tales from the Trails. You're listening to KFOK, Georgetown Community Radio, licensed to the American River Folk Society. And I'm your host, Lindsay Beth Courier, bringing you Tales from the Trails, which is a mixed content show focused on mountain biking and broadcasting every Tuesday from 10 a.m. to 11 we're having a little trouble with our music. I had found some stuff on 8tracks.com. Again, it's called Mountain Mix, but it doesn't seem to be playing. I promise I'm going to figure this all out. So this is a Mountain Mix playing. Again, that's from 8tracks.com. This is from King King 21 and it's basically his playlist. To It's a mix consisting of music, which will get you motivated and pumped for whatever challenges come your way like challenges of playing with these buttons in the radio station. So again, yeah, this is Tales from the Trails. And uh, our show is made possible by our generous underwriters. So today I'd actually like to read two. We've got the GDPUD. Uh, KFOK receives underwriting support from the Georgetown Divide Public Utility District, serving the water needs of the Georgetown Divide. GDPUD is committed to the community. For more information about GDPUD activities, they can be reached at 530-333-4356 or online at gdpud.org. And we'd also like to thank Rick's Tree Service, ISA Certified Arborist, serving the Georgetown Divide and proudly supporting KFOK Community Radio. Rick Yost can be reached at 530-333-4356. 3895 for more information. That was from 8tracks.com before. It's a mountain mix from King King 21. I'm sorry it won't play, but maybe you'll want to check that out on your own. Um, it's pretty neat on there, 8tracks.com. I found it a few weeks ago, and lots of people have made uh, lists that are tagged as mountain biking. So it's obviously music that they're listening to while they're riding their bikes, which is rad. Okay. So yeah, we just read two of our underwriters. If anybody's interested in becoming an underwriter for this show or any of our other great shows, you can visit kfok.org or you can also call us at 530-333-4335. And you're also welcome to call me in the studio at 530-333-4300 if you have a trail conditions update. Um, here in Northern California or beyond. I'd love to hear what the trails are like where you are. So again, if you're listening live right now, feel free to call me 530-333-4300. And for the weather today, I'm sure if you're in Georgetown right now and you're up, uh, you can see the sun's finally starting to peak out. I woke up around uh, 5.30 and it was raining and a little bit colder than it had been. It wasn't super chilly. Uh, Lots of fog, too. But it's starting to clear up. Temps will be lower today than they were yesterday, staying in the 50s and then dropping back down into the 40s tonight. Uh, It should be partly cloudy and a little bit warmer tomorrow with a high in the mid-60s. And it looks like we have more rain in the forecast later this week, possibly starting on Thursday and continuing through Friday and maybe even through the weekend. It's a little cooler up at the higher elevations in Tahoe and even up in Downeyville. 
And uh, we've got similar conditions as here on the divide out in Auburn and the rest of the foothills, but with uh, slightly higher temperatures in Auburn. And uh, there's also rain in the forecast for Sacramento, and the temperatures down there should be about 10 to 20 degrees higher than here up on the divide. So maybe even up to 100 degrees this coming weekend. And uh, for the past riding conditions, uh, this past week I did a little riding down at Magnolia and Cronin's Ranch, and then I also rode on Saturday out in Auburn. Uh, The dirt was definitely dry, uh, not too sandy or loose, but dry conditions. So this rain we're having now and the more rain that we get is definitely very welcome. And uh, we do have our Tampa conditions for up in Tahoe. They were updated April 19th, so two days ago. Uh, right before this rain came through, but I checked the temperatures up there. I don't think it's snowing at all, so they're just getting a little bit more moisture on their trails. So as of April 19th, 2014, one of the driest winters on record in Tahoe means we have an early mountain bike season underway. If you don't see a trail listed, that's because it's either still covered with snow or we don't know the conditions. Please spare us questions like, when will toads be clear?, If you want to know the status of your favorite high country trail, ride up from the bottom and check it out. Right now, conditions are almost two months ahead of normal, which is crazy. And remember to keep the single track single on your early season rides. Do not ride around snow patches or mud. Move down branches out of the trail and walk over any downed trees. Then let us know where they are so we can clear them out. And watch out for those ice patches still. So here are the Tamba trail conditions for south shore tahoe power lines is clear cold creek clear with a few patches of snow near high meadow railroad grade is clear corral clear gates are still locked at anitas sidewinder is clear cedar and armstrong connector are clear with a few snow patches and down trees tahoe mountain new trails are clear Van Sickle, three-quarter clear if you climb up the downhill, then snow up top to the connection of the rim trail. And for North Shore, Tahoe, and the Truckee area, uh, Tahoe Donner is clear. Sawtooth Ridge, Lloyd's, Prosser Dam, and the Immigrant Trail are all clear. So we've got lots of clear and open trails up in Tahoe already. It's barely even May. Uh, Trails down in Santa Cruz, Auburn, and Downeyville are all mostly open. If you are a member of a trail advocacy uh, organization or just a happy, enthusiastic rider that would like to start submitting trail reports to me weekly, I would love to have you get in contact with me uh, and send me your trail reports so I can read them. I can only do so much on my own, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, onward with those trail conditions. We do have lots of trail work coming up and trail work parties and all kinds of great events this season uh, to help give back to the trails, meet other riders, and have more fun. So next up is the Tamba Spring Party. It's free and it's fun and it would be a great place to renew your membership, meet other riders, or see what the Tahoe Area Mountain Biking Association is up to this year. So the Tampa Spring Party is taking place April 23rd, that's tomorrow, Wednesday, from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the American Legion in South Lake Tahoe, California. 
And you can go to mountainbiketahoe.com for more information. On May 3rd and 4th, we have the Tamba, Tamba Chainsaw Training and Certification by the United States Forest Service. An RSVP is required and more information can be found at mountainbiketahoe.com. And May 3rd is the Mountain Bikers of Santa Cruz Monthly Trail Work Day. They'll be meeting at 10 a.m. and they meet the first Saturday of every month. Uh, this month they'll be at Wilder Ranch State Park in California. You can find out more information at mbosc.org. And the Sierra Buttes Trail Stewardship has their Smith Creek Trail Volunteer Workday also on May 3rd. They're meeting at 9 a.m. at Lakes Basin Recreation Area, and they'll be working on the Smith, Smith Creek Trail. More information is available at sierratrails.org. And later in the month, on May 17th, uh, the Lower Corral Trail Volunteer Workday is taking place. It's a partnership between Sierra Buttes Trail Stewardship and the Tahoe Mountain Bikers Association. You can find out more information at mountainbiketahoe.com or sierratrails.com or sierratrails.org. And we've got lots of ongoing rides and fun that take place all around the Northern California region. So I'd like to try to cover more of those. Again, if you are a ride leader or you're part of a trail advocacy program and you'd like me to read your rides, I'd be more than happy to. You just need to get in touch with me. Uh, But this is what we have for now. So the Mountain Bikers of Santa Cruz will be meeting this Saturday, April 26th, uh, for a slower and a fast ride in the Pogo Nip on the Emma McCary Trail in Santa Cruz, California. They meet every fourth Saturday for this ride. Uh, And this ride is beginner-friendly, and it takes riders across beautifully constructed bridges on the Emma McCary Trail in Santa Cruz, California. Beginner or slower mountain bike riders are welcome on our monthly slower ride every fourth Saturday of each month. This more leisurely paced ride does require fitness and controlled off-road bike handling skills. There is usually an intermediate advanced group for the regulars and other faster, more experienced riders as well. Meet at 10 a.m. at the parking lot at the corner of River Street and Golf Club Drive. And the Mountain Bikers of Santa Cruz also have an intermediate ride. It meets the first, second, third, and sometimes fifth Saturday of the month, also at 10 a.m. And they meet at Wilder Ranch State Park. So riders with some off-road handling skills and moderately good fitness are welcome on this intermediate level ride. The pace is determined by the riding level of those who show up. Most of the regulars are intermediate and very social. If the group is large, we may split into a fast and slow group. The route and total distance vary, but we typically do about 12 miles and around 1,300 feet of climbing. Meet at 10 a.m. at the park sign just north of the tunnel under Highway 1. And the best way to get to the meeting is to park at Wilder Ranch parking lot. Walk your bike through the ranch area past the barn, chickens, and garden. Ride under the highway using the tunnel, and you should see the park sign by the cattle gate. Again, that's the Wilder Intermediate Ride put on by the Mountain Bikers of Santa Cruz taking place every 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 5th Saturday. And as I mentioned earlier, this coming Saturday... 
We have the slower and fast ride put on by the mountain bikers of Santa Cruz meeting at the Emma McCary Trail in the Pogo Nip down in Santa Cruz. And for both of those rides, you can find more information at mbosc.org. And the time is now 10.13, so let's read a couple of our local public service announcements for up here on the Divide. We've got the 5th Annual Gardens of the Hills Tour, presented by the Assistance League of Sierra Foothills. It takes place on May 3rd and 4th from 10 to 5 p.m. The tour will provide entrance into eight distinctive garden sites. And for more information as well as ticket prices and availability, visit their website at sierrafoothills.assistanceleague.org. And have you heard of the Shook Twins and the Ballroom Thieves? Here's your chance to meet them at the Sierra Nevada Brewery's Big Room on Tuesday, May 6th. These identical twins promise you quirky folk music. Doors open at 6 and the show starts at 7.30. For ticket prices and availability, call 530-896-2198. And the one and only Marsha Ball will be at the Sierra Nevada Brewery's Big Room on Monday, May 12th. Marsha is a five-time winner of the Blues Music Awards and has a Grammy-nominated CD. Doors open at 6 and the show starts at 7.30. For ticket prices, call The Big Room at 530-896-2198. And that about does it for our public service announcements for On the Divide right here. Uh, I want to remind you that last week I did read that there was a mountain bike skills clinic, I believe May 3rd, and it's put on by the American River Conservancy. I don't have their phone number in front of me, but you might try arcconservancy.org for more information. And we have mountain bike skills clinics for kids and adults also available Wednesdays in Auburn. You can call 530-887-8888 for more information. And for the most local community mountain bike ride that's going off close to the divide here... The Auburn Community Mountain Bike Ride is meeting Saturdays at 2 p.m. This ride is friendly for all abilities, and the route is determined weekly by participants. The ride meets at 13122 Lincoln Way in Auburn, California, for free Auburn State Recreation Area parking. And you can call 530-887-8888 for more information. Again, this is Lindsay with Tales from the Trails, and you're listening to KFOK, Georgetown Community Radio. And we have uh, some races and trips coming up. This is off the NorCal MTV website. Again, the NorCal Mountain Biking Organization, they have a high school league, which is great. Uh, They teach kids how to race. And be great competitors and good sports. Uh, they give them great skills, um, not only mountain bike handling skills, but you know how to acquire sponsorship and to train for an event, set goals and reach them. And so here are a few events that they've got listed on their website uh, for their athletes. On April 26th to 27th, we have the Boggs NorCal Conference Championships. May 3rd through 8th is the Hours of Boggs, which is a partner event by Bike Monkey. 
May 11th is the NorCal State Championships at Laguna Seca. And May 31st, the Tamarancho Dirt Classic, also a partner event. You can find links to more information about these events at norcalmtb.org. And we've also got the Prairie City races are still going on. Let me read a little bit more about them to you. Um, If you don't know, I'm a little bit newer to this area, and I didn't know a lot about kids' races. Um, So let's find this here. So the 2014 Prairie City Race Series, it started on April 2nd. So it's been going on for a little bit. They've got 10 races in the series. They offer walk-up registration, and it's really, really reasonable, the rate. So it's a great opportunity for kids and adults, um, accessible local racing. And the next upcoming dates are April 30th, May 2nd, or May 7th. May 14th, May 21st, June 4th, June 11th, and then awards are the 18th at Folsom City Park. Uh, You can find out more information about these races at racemtb.com. And it looks like there is online registration. And as I said, they have categories for both adults and children. And there's a couple special races coming up at Prairie City They've got four dates, and they're special kids' races. These races are for kids 12 years and under, and they're not who are not ready to do a regular lap around the Prairie City race or have never raced before. So if they're already doing the junior beginner one lap race, this race is not for them. Strider bikes are welcome. The idea is to have something fun and kid-sized, that they can participate in without being intimidated by the larger regular course. All participants will receive ribbons. They'll split the class by age and have a two-wave start. The kids' course is about one mile long, and most of it is in view of the parking lot area, and it is a fairly flat course. We usually make the loop include the 50cc motocross track, which has gentle bumps, hills, and banked corners. One parent may ride, walk with their child if they need some assistance or support. So the classes are boys and girls 9 and under, boys and girls 10 to 12 years old, and strider bikes are welcome. Again, that's the kids' races at Prairie City. They're taking place May 14th, 21st, June 4th, and June 11th. And as I mentioned, there's a lot of other race dates for Prairie City, and you can check that all out at racemtb.com. And uh, another race that we've got coming up for adults later in the season, or later this next coming month, May 31st, it's the Lost and Found Race. Featuring a perfect blend of pavement, dirt road, gravel road, and historic railroad grade. Grade. It's taking place in Portola, California on May 31st. And you can find more information at lostandfoundrace.com. I believe when I was checking it out, the race is really long. Like super long. Um, (laughs) Check it out. It looks really cool if you're fit, you're training for enduros. Uh, that might be super fun to do. Like I think 8,000 miles or something like that. Again, more information is available at lostandfoundrace.com. I don't have all the details in front of me. 
And another special event coming up is Destination Downeyville, a women's three-day mountain bike retreat. It's taking place May 30th to June 1st. And more information can be found at voost.com. That's V-O-O dot S-T dot com. And since we were talking about kids earlier with the Prairie City mountain bike races, I thought I'd talk a little bit more about some of the high school programs that we have going on with uh, riders giving back. And so from the Fat Tracks, that's the Folsom Area Trail Riders Action Coalition, and their website is fatrac.org. They've got this great article. It's high school mountain bike team members give back to Granite Bay Trails. So I'm going to take a quick drink of water and then I'm going to read this to you. Again, you can find out more about Fat Tracks at fatrac.org. All right. So, uh,. High school mountain bike team members give back to Granite Bay Trails. There's a little quote here. It says, pants. I'd wear pants. That's what members of Cycling Development's high school mountain bike teams had to say when asked about what they learned during a trail work day in Granite Bay State Park over the weekend. On a beautiful Saturday, when many park visitors donned swim trunks, running shoes, hiking boots, or mountain bikes, approximately 30 volunteers representing Cycling Development, the Sierra Buttes Trail Stewardship, Folsom Auburn Trail Riders Action Coalition, Total Body Fitness, and several citizen volunteers showed up to work with California State Parks to give back to the trail system they frequently use. After a safety talk from Ranger Greg Wells, the order for the day was to decommission a social shortcut trail that was not entirely safe and was causing a soil erosion problem and what they mean by social is user made so riders were just cutting in a trail on their own without permission you know without asking if it's okay armed with a variety of trail work tools the six student athletes all dressed in shorts proceeded to pound away at the ground to break up the soil which will aid in regenerating the grasses that typically grow in the hills around Folsom Lake. In the process, their exposed shoes were getting filled with dirt, kicked up from hitting the ground with picks, hoes, and McClouds. Couple that with the burrs sticking to their socks while hauling deadfall across the hillside to cover up the old trail, and an appreciation for wearing pants next time was part of the overall learning experience for these young volunteers. When asked what else was learned from this textbook decommissioning project, senior Dan Fulwarkoff stated, A lot of work goes into maintaining trails and not everybody quite realizes how much work it takes. Even a short section can take a couple hours to fix. So it takes a lot of work to keep the trails happy, other people happy, and keep the trails fun. Junior Alec Crowfoot, who would love to see more trails built, received a dose of reality in this trail removal project. He reflected, Not all trails are good, and unfortunately we have to take some trails down. But we gotta help out and do our part. Crowfoot also gained a newfound respect 
for all that goes into trail work. When the community comes together, they can get a lot done and the state park rangers are actually really helpful. Freshman Cole Davis shared Crowfoot's sentiments for volunteering, saying, I just want to give back to the community I play in. Giving back was a common theme for each of the high school mountain bikers that volunteered, which will translate to a greater level of trail and land stewardship as these young men grow older. I came here because I've been riding these trails for five years now, said Fal Wakav. They get used to a lot, they get used a lot, and they get abused, and they just need to be worked on every once in a while. It keeps it fun for all of us if at least a handful of people put in some work. Sophomore Graham Schaefer expressed both an interest in giving back and learning trail work skills. I just want to give back to the trail system and learn how trail work is done. Robert McIntosh, also a sophomore, revealed some inner guilt motivated him to help. I came today because I felt guilty for riding all the trails around here and not doing anything to help them. Perhaps Crowfoot summed up everyone's feelings best. I wanted to show the trail some love. They get abused. Again, that's high school mountain bike team members give back to Granite Bay Trails. It's on the Fat Tracks website, the Folsom Auburn Trail Riders Action Coalition, you can find out more information about them at fatrac.org. And again, as those kids learned, you should wear pants when trail building. But that's really exciting to hear uh, more kids out there giving back. More, They're not kids. They're young adults. They're in high school. Um, and they're smart enough and intelligent enough to understand that it's a great idea to get out there and help these nonprofit organizations that are already set up to help us have more trails and help us maintain the trails that we have. Uh, when I was a kid, you know, a young adult and even into my early 20s, uh, kind of the consensus was you should build your trails under the radar and, and stay away from the park ranger and hide from everybody. And I'm fortunate enough that uh, I met up with the mountain bikers of Santa Cruz when I moved to uh, California about 10 years ago and understood what a, a real trails council can do and how powerful they can be to the community and and all of the things that they can make happen. Um, and I often read about mountain bikers of Santa Cruz uh, because I know them best. So here's a little bit more about fat tracks in case you're wondering. Since the Folsom area, Folsom Auburn Trail Riders Action Coalition, they're very close to us up here on the divide. Um and I wonder, maybe they'll come up here and work on some of our trails. So here are some of Fat Track's major contributions to mountain biking in the region. Uh, every mountain biker in the area has probably ridden these trails. And so Fat Tracks helps maintain the Granite Bay Trail System, the Forest Hill Divide Loop Trail, the Connector Trail, the Culvert Trail, the Hidden Falls Trail System, the Darrington Trail, which is Salmon Falls, South Fork American River Trail, the Olmstead Loop Trail, Hole in the Ground Trail, Western States Trail, Sly Park Trail, the Jenkinson Reservoir. And in 2013, Fat Tracks became an official chapter of the International Mountain Bicycle Association. This partnership will reinforce Fat Tracks' mission and provide a powerful set of tools for accomplishing trail projects in the future. So a lot of these trail stewardship 
organizations help each other out. So you'll see Fat Tracks and Tambo working together, Sierra Buttes working with Tambo, MBOSC helping out Fat Tracks. Uh, and again, these organizations traveling to other areas that maybe don't have the same uh, support system set up yet. Uh, and it's amazing. It's great to watch all of these people get together. And it's even more exciting to see the younger riders getting involved. Uh, so there's a student trail crew program that Sierra Buttes Trail Stewardship leads. And it's just basically called the Sierra Buttes Trail Stewardship Student Trail Crew. And uh, each summer they employ 8 to 10 students age 16 to 17, 17 from uh high schools in the area and they work to restore and construct trails throughout the Plumas and Tahoe National Forest. Members are supervised by two adult crew leaders that are familiar with the work area, are experts in trail restoration, and are well rehearsed in backcountry safety. Members live in tents, cook their own meals, and practice leave no trace camping. Food and transportation are provided. And the student trail crew teaching key concepts are safety awareness, trail fun, quality work, trail awareness, tool care, accountability, and teamwork. And students learn responsibilities such as development of an emergency action plan, maintenance and care for tools and equipment, production of quality trails, how to cook and prepare meals for a group, setting up and tearing down of camp and documentation of work before and after photos, reports, and blogs and trail skills that the trail crew students learn are backcountry safety, brushing and scouting, tread maintenance, cross cut and handsaw training, hand tool field maintenance, drainage design and installation, rock retaining walls, turnpike construction And available certifications for the trail crew are basic first aid, CPR, wilderness first aid, basic trail maintenance certification, hand tool certification, cross cut and handsaw certification. And uh, educational experiences ranging beyond trail work include uh, guest speakers coming in to discuss nutrition and how to eat right, watershed and forestry, trail facts and area history, botany, archaeology, and wildlife, healthy trails, and healthy communities. So again, that's the student trail crew for the Sierra Buttes Trail Stewardship. You can find out more about that at sierratrails.org. And again, we were talking about ways that high schoolers are giving back to the trails and how rad it is that they're so responsible uh, and so wanting to give back to these trails that they see us adults abusing. Uh, and I had mentioned, I didn't really have um, this when I was, a, when I was growing up, I know there, there were trail councils and we did definitely have outdoor re- recreation programs in my area. Uh, my mom sent me to Saturday science camps and we definitely went hiking a lot and did our own trail maintenance. Uh, but I never had anything so strong of a mountain bike trails advocacy community as I do here in Northern California. I have literally so many trail councils to be a part of. It's awesome. And each and every one of them are finding ways to get kids involved. And that to me, that's a beautiful thing. So again, you're listening to Tales from the Trails. 
The time is now 10.33. We're a little halfway through our show. I got through all of the upcoming events. We talked about kids. And uh, when we were talking about fat tracks and the kids that were digging down at Granite Bay, they said something about wearing pants. And they didn't mention anything about poison oak. And uh, I wanted to talk about poison oak today because it's absolutely blooming and going off in my yard right now. Uh, When I was riding in Auburn on Saturday, it was all along the trails. When I was uh, out at Magnolia and Kernan's Ranch, it's down there. I'm quite positive it's out in Santa Cruz and it's all over the place. So in the wintertime, the poison oak kind of looked like just little sticks poking up out of the ground. And I'm pretty lucky if I brush up against the the bare sticks, I don't get the rash unless it kind of cuts into my skin. But now everything's coming out, like all the trees are leafing out and you can see the poison oak leaves. They look a lot like oak leaves. There's three and uh, rounded edges, Um, very itchy rash that you can get from this plant. It's a part of the sumac family, um, which is also uh, related to poison ivy and uh, some other shrubs and vines that can give rashes. And uh, pretty much the worst thing about poison oak is when you don't realize you get it. It can kind of grow super tall like a tree. It can grow... Like a vine, for instance, in our yard, nobody's done much clearing in the past 40 or 50 years. So we've got a few vines of poison oak that are maybe like four or five inches in diameter. You know, it makes me itchy just looking at it. And um, it's bad, you know. Uh, So basically, these things hang down in the trail. And if you don't keep your eyes peeled um, on a trail that maybe doesn't get as much traffic or maintenance, you could just have... These branches flick off your face or your arm. And then, you know, what are you going to do? You don't even realize that you've got this Urashal oil on you. That's the oil in the po- on the poison oak that gives the rash and um, causes the reaction with your skin. Uh, and so pretty much what I tell everybody is, you know, after every ride or maybe even in between rides, if you're riding for a couple hours and you're getting really sweaty, it's a great idea to just kind of rinse your face and your forearms off. So I'll just take a little bit of water out of my camel back if I don't have a stream or a spigot or hose to use. And I'll just kind of use cool water to just rinse off what is on my face or arms. There is a company uh, called Technu and they do make this uh, poison oak and ivy soap, which is pretty easy to just rub on and off. I believe they make wipes. Burt's Bees has a good poison ivy soap. You can also make your own soap. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how to do that because, you know, that uses lye and that's a dangerous thing. Um, But, yeah, check it out. If you go online and just look up poison oak and ivy uh, holistic or natural treatments, there's a lot of different options out there. You don't want to put bleach or rubbing alcohol on the rash. Um, You'll know you have the rash if you have it. It will be itchy before you even see it. And typically it kind of blisters up little bumps all over or bigger blisters. If you've been scratching it, they kind of connect together. It can become almost like a, a welt, like a oozing, weeping, nasty wound. And uh, like I said, don't put rubbing alcohol on it. Don't put bleach on it. What I found the best for me is to use one of those soaps to try to prevent it. And then if the rash does start to come out, I like to use uh, bentonite clay, maybe mixed with apple cider vinegar 
Uh, you could even put a little tea tree oil or, you know, something else in there and uh, kind of put a little clay mask over your rash and let that dry out. That's going to suck all the oils out and kind of relieve your skin. But absolutely don't scratch it and don't put alcohol on it. Um, and if you've got it in your yard, I find the best way to get rid of it was, uh, you know, this past winter and fall when the leaves aren't out, but I know where the vine is, I just go out and try to cut it and rip it out and then just put it in a pile so it'll compost, break down, and hopefully not uh, transplant itself into the soil there and keep growing. I haven't seen that happening too much. I try not to handle it too much, and I don't burn it because if you burn the poison oak, uh, you could breathe in those fumes and get the rash inside of your respiratory system, and that would be just awful, right? You don't want to do that. So don't burn it. And of course, after using your tools on the poison oak, whether it's like your shovel, your McLeod, your loppers, anything like that, be sure that you clean that off. And so a good way to clean your tools is you can definitely use uh, rubbing alcohol on that. You don't want to use rubbing alcohol on your body, but you can use rubbing alcohol to clean up your equipment that you may think has been exposed to poison oak. Uh, The Tech New Bottle of soap that I was talking about Uh, on the side, it says you can wash apparel with it. And as I mentioned earlier, there's other soaps out there too. I just don't know them off the top of my head, but that's real important as well. If you think your clothing has been exposed to the poison oak, you want to make sure you get that oil off your clothes. If you don't and you forget, and for instance, you know, you pull that shirt back over your head and you touch the outside of the shirt to your body, that oil that's on your shirt is now on your body. And so you're going to get a rash, maybe somewhere you didn't expect it. Uh, This has definitely happened to me. So best bet is to be super clean when you know poison oak is around and just be cautious. So try not to touch it. Try to clean up as soon as you can. And uh, be mindful if you have dogs or other small pets that run around in the forest they can definitely pick up the poison oak too. I get poison oak all over, you know, the inside of my arms and under my neck. And I wonder how the heck did it get there? Was I hugging a tree? Uh, I don't remember hugging a tree. No, I just was spooning my dog and my dog had been running through the oak and jumped in bed with me and snuggled up all close to her. And lo and behold, I've got poison oak all over me. So again, that's, that's pretty much all I'll say about poison oak. It's got leaves of three. So let it be. Uh, If you're eradicating it, please don't use Roundup. I know sometimes we have to use that, but try to remove it manually. Don't burn it. And make sure you wash up really well after each ride. That includes your body and your equipment. Uh, No rubbing alcohol on the body, just Castile soap or Technu. And go ahead and use that rubbing alcohol on the bike, uh, your 510s. Use use the Technu on your... uh, your clothing, and make sure you don't get this. It's a horrible rash. I, I can't say that enough. It's awful. I've had it so many times, and I don't like it. It's just terrible. So, yeah. Anyways, getting on to some more things. So, this, like I said, this past weekend, we had uh, our community ride out in Auburn on Saturday, and it was a little bit dry, and warm, but we had a good time. We brought lots of water and hopefully everybody put on their sunscreen because the sun has been out nice and bright. And we had uh, 
two newer riders. Um, I'm going to omit their names. I didn't get permission to say their names or anything like that, but we had two lady riders. They were students in a yoga tea and knowledge uh, bike skills class that's going on in Auburn. And so they came out on the ride for their first time. Uh, and they had an excellent time. It was really fun riding with two newer riders. Uh, one of them, you know, she had never ridden at all on the trail that we had gone on. And she wasn't sure if she would be capable of doing it. Uh, and my co-ride leader, Chris, he's very encouraging um, and just great at keeping people positive. And, uh, you know, she had no problem going down the hill. Uh, she made it sound like she would be intimidated by the roughness of stagecoach and the rocks and all that. But, you know, she had her little skills coaching earlier in the morning and maybe had a little bit of extra confidence and just took off down the hill. I was sweeping, which means you ride in the back um, and make sure the whole group stays together and everybody's safe. And if someone has a, a mechanical issue or needs a snack, I come upon them and I help them. And so I rode behind this woman and she was doing so amazing. It was it was really excellent to see her open up to mountain biking in such a way. And uh, as we came back up the hill, um, you know, her and the other rider, we were a little concerned about um, the pedaling, you know, because you have to pedal all the way back up the hill to the shop. It's a couple miles. I think it's 700 feet of climbing, which is a bit for a newer rider. Um, and she just was such a good sport. You know, she had to take a few breaks here or there, which, mind you, I do that all the time. Um, and she was just stoked to be outside. And when we got back to the shop in Auburn and we finished up the ride, you could just tell from her face, she was beaming. She had a great time. Uh, the rest of the group was stoked and it was just an amazing ride. So again, that's the Auburn weekly community mountain bike ride. It's now on Saturdays at 2 PM, uh, for the next few weeks. And they're meeting at 13122 Lincoln Way in Auburn on Saturdays. So any ability level is totally welcome to this ride. The whole thing is just about getting more people out riding, seeing more people smiling, and bringing more awareness to the trails. So yeah. wanted to... Let's see. If you really enjoy this show especially when I have my own music. But I'm enjoying this music in the background here. Sounds like stuff my mom and dad listen to, and that makes me feel like home. So if you'd like to check out some of our other radio shows here at kfok.org, I would like to recommend to you Wednesdays tomorrow from 8 to 9 a.m. It's Science and Environment News and Views with Ray Griffiths. And this show features news and opinions about various science subjects and the environment. Topics are separated by music selections from Americana, jazz, and pop. Again, that's Science and Environment News and Views, Wednesdays from 8 to 9. And on Thursdays from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., it's Grizzly Nixon's History Hour with Guy Nixon. This program explores local history and its connections to world events and human and natural history in a folksy, fun, and informative format. 
We have some amazing history right now here on the divide that has affected or has been affected by world events since 1543. And Guy brings it to life with surprising interconnections and modern science to put it in perspective. That's Grizzly Nixon's History Hour, Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. And the Divide Chamber of Commerce holds its monthly mixers on the first Tuesday of the month at 5.30 p.m. The location varies. To find out this month's location, please visit their website at DivideChamber.com. And it's 10.45, and I've actually really run out of stories, so I'm just going to hop over to one of my favorite websites. It's pinkbike.com. It's not totally local, but maybe I'll be able to find a little story over here to read to you in this last 15 minutes. Um, I checked all the trail advocacy websites. I've read all your stories, so I need more. And uh, Pink Bike's taking a little bit. What can I talk about off the top of my head? Um, I'm really excited. Again, I think last week we were talking a lot about bike park season. So this past weekend, a snow summit at Big Bear opened. And I'm hoping to talk to somebody today to see how rad it was down there. Uh, I briefly spoke to North Star, which is one of our closer bike parks here for lift access to mountain biking. And it sounded like they were planning to open June 6th. Um, you can find out bike all the bike park openings on a calendar that's located at mtbparks.com. Or you can just check out their each of their websites. But that's a little spot you can find all the opening dates all in one calendar. Again, mtbparks.com. And, oh yeah, this is kind of relevant. So the Bell Built uh, Western winner is announced. So sadly to say, MBOSC, the Mountain Bikers of Santa Cruz, they did not win the Bell Built Grant for the Flow Trail and the SoCal Demo Forest. Uh, so stay tuned for other ways to help raise funds or support to get that project finished. But here is the winner since... You know, we should be happy for everybody's success. So we're super uh, stoked about uh, Fort Toothy Hill or Toot Hill Bike Park in Flagstaff, Arizona. Uh, I think I saw on the Mountain Bikers of Santa Cruz uh, Facebook or something like that. They were like, when are we going on a field trip to check out this bike park? Because like I said, we're stoked on anybody's success. All bike park success is bike park success everywhere else. So Let's be stoked for Arizona. Uh, so out of the four Western regional finalists, Flagstaff, Arizona's Fort Two Hill Bike Park rallied up the most votes and will be one of the three winning projects to split $100,000 of bell-built prize money. The grant will help fund the construction of the beginner and intermediate trails at the proposed bike park project which will be open to the public for the entire mountain biking community to enjoy. And here are the Bell Built West Coast finalists. We had the Prescott Park Flow Trail in Medford, Oregon, the Stafford Lake Bike Park in Nevado, California, the SoCal Demo Flow Trail, Santa Cruz, California, and again the winner, which, which was Fort Toothill Bike Park, Flagstaff, Arizona. 
and special congratulations to them. You might want to check out some of those other trail projects that were runners up for winning. I'm sure they still need lots or they definitely now need lots of support to finish their projects. So that's exciting. You can find out more at the Bell Built website. It looks like it's bellhelmets.com uh, slash bellbuilt. They have projects all around the country. Just super, super rad. I haven't checked into it real quick, but let me see if I can find anything on the Truckee Bike Park. I know they should have another phase coming up this summer. Um, probably a fundraiser. So pretty much I'm just here Googling Truckee Bike Park. So May 8th, they have a spring bike park party. This is important. It's at the Bar of America in Truckee, California. It takes place at 6 p.m. Uh, I don't use Facebook anymore, so I'm unaware of a lot of things now. I have to find. I have to go back to my old channels of of learning, which is you know calling and emailing and researching, and not just relying on Facebook, which is wonderful. It means my intelligence is restoring. I hope more people will join me. So uh, as I said, it's a. It looks like. Um, when is it? Oh, they had a kickoff party, too. They recently had one. But again, this one is the Spring Bike Park Party taking place May 8th at the Bar of America in Truckee, California. And uh, there's a dinner buffet, and all proceeds go to the bike park. There'll be a raffle. Uh, there's a live band. It's Groove Foundry. So again, Truckee Bike Park Party, May 8th, 6 p.m. That's a Thursday. I'm hoping that I'll go. That sounds super fun and uh, as I mentioned earlier the Auburn bike park looks like they're going to be waiting about a year I could be incorrect about that um, but that's what I heard when I was out at the festival about another year until Auburn bike park breaks ground um, let's see how about the McLaren bike park in San Francisco haven't checked on them in a while uh, my friends down at Ride SFO and Bicycle Fabrications they turned me on to this bike park project um and i thought they had started digging so let's see their website is mclarenbikepark.com uh, and i was unable to find a website for the Truckee bike park i just had to go to a facebook page which there should be a website okay so this isn't coming up for me here but anyways the mclaren bike park something going on in san francisco um Let's see. Back in November, they had a half million dollars in counting uh, for a grant. And so if you go to McLarenBikePark.com, they've got a phase one site plan, which is really big and significant. I, I feel like I was shown this by maybe one of our builder friends, Randy Spangler. And I see Alpine Bike Parks on here uh, as the designer. But it's it's pretty huge. There's like intermediate advanced beginner jump lines there's like a cross-country loop there's a pump park pump track um things all over it and and like i was saying my friends at ride us a and uh, bike fabrications they turned me on to this uh project and it's been going on for quite a while so it's just over a matter of time that they'll have it um going so they did a kickstarter and an indiegogo campaign and they've just been raising lots and lots of money. Again, these bike parks take tons of money to uh, get going. There's a lot of 
uh, permits and liability and design that must go into them to make sure that they are safe and sustainable. And so it's exciting to see that they've raised this much money. Uh, It says if we raise funds for the construction documents by May of 2014, it's likely the design development process could take the remainder of 2014 and we'd be breaking ground as early as 2015. Uh, So yeah, that's for the McLaren Bike Park in San Francisco. Uh, they just need to raise a little bit money, more money, and they'll be on track for a 2015 Brown breaking, which would be the same as the Auburn Bike Park. So check out McLarenBikePark.com and the AuburnBikePark.com and, uh, you know, see if there's a way that you can help be sure that these um, projects happen. Uh, and as I've been mentioning, these these little bike parks, these are not lift access bike parks. Again, these are community bike parks. You know, think of a park where you take your kid to play or your family or you'd meet up with friends after work or before work or on the weekend. They're great places for community. They're great places for outdoor recreation and family time. Um, great for training. Great for health. Uh, they bring the community together. So we see, you know... Instead of bike shops competing against each other, we see bike shops working together, you know, on this on these common projects, which is it's great. And as I keep saying, you know, these give kids great opportunities. And and what is cycling and what is the world without children? Um, so check out McLarenBikePark.com if you can, and the Auburn Bike Park, and of course the Trekkie Bike Park. I understand there's so much going on out there that it's hard to keep track of all of the ways that you can help and give back. Uh, So it is my intention over the next week to maybe try to make uh, a page or a calendar where all of this information is available. So uh, if you're listening, send me good thoughts and organizational vibes that I can pull that together. Uh, It'll make me reading the stuff off a lot easier, but it'll also give you listeners a place to go if you missed my show or couldn't understand what I was saying. And I have links to check out all these great nonprofit uh, things that are going on all around us. So again, the time is 1055. You're listening to Tales from the Trails on Georgetown's KFOK Community Radio. We're licensed by the American River Folk Society. My name is Lindsay Beth Courier, and I broadcast to you weekly from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. I was hoping to play some music from 8tracks.com, Mountain Mix by uh, King Ging 21. It's a mix consisting of music to get you motivated and pumped for whatever challenges come your way. But unfortunately, I had a challenge and was not able to get it to play. Um, So, yeah. Sorry about that. We've got the wonderful folk uh, computer music playing in the background here. And uh, as I go off the air, I'll slowly fade back to that. And uh, again, if you are listening in and you are a member of MBOSC or another fine trail stewardship council, please be in touch with me so we can start getting some trail reports straight from your area. So I'm not guessing as to what your soil is like. So again, Lindsay Beth Courier, Tales from the Trails. Thanking GDPUD uh, for sending us underwriting support. The Georgetown Divide Public Utility District serving the water needs for the Georgetown Divide. 
The GDPUD is committed to the community, and for more information about GDPUD activities, you can reach them at 530-333-4356 or online at gdpud.org. And Rick's Tree Service, ISA certified arborist serving the Georgetown Divide and proudly supporting KFOK Community Radio. Rick Yost can be reached at 530-333-3895 for more information. Thanks again, everybody. Sorry for cutting it short and for not having some rad mountain bike music. But I know lots of you enjoy the folk music, too. And that is what KFOK and the American River Folk Society is all about. Uh, so, and that's where all music comes from is folk music. So it looks uh, like it's clearing up out there. I see patches of blue sky. I did bring my bike and my dog today. And so, you know, in a little bit, I'm going to head down to Magnolia and get my real deal trail report. See what's going on, how this rain affected everything. So I hope you're all well. Thank you for listening in to Tales from the Trails. Again, please check out our other radio shows here at kfok.org. You can listen to all of them online. And there's lots of great content. We've got some really special personalities up here on the divide. And uh, I feel blessed to be a part of this radio station. So thanks again. Have a great Tuesday. Happy Tales from the Trails.